Okay, welcome to episode four of A Vague Knowledge of Everything. Uh, I'm Rosie. I'm Hope. And today we're going to talk about birth control. Yeah. Um, and just just before we get into it, I do want to say for our listeners, um, however many of you there are, um, that it would really be helpful if you would tell other people about the podcast because Instagram does not want to allow me to promote posts because most of the things we talk about are deemed too political because they might influence the way someone votes. Um, the way I look at it is that we're presenting facts, which are facts, you know, and I feel like we should be able to tell the truth and not be uh, told we can't promote, but you know, that's where we are. So if you'd like to give us a little bit of a shout out, that would be lovely. Anyway, whenever we talk about the people who listen to our podcast, I feel like Lily Moskowitz from princess diaries when she's like, I just found out my cable show only reaches reaches 12 people. And I'm like, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah, dear listeners, I'm just, and I'm kind of talking to people who are listening now, and I'm kind of talking to people who will be listening at some point in the future, you know, when we get really popular, obviously. When we become famous and I, we get to stop I mean, working. Yeah, for real. Yeah, we can <laughs> take back both of our incomes, uh, which, which is actually not that much. But anyway. <laughs> Moving on, let's get to the actual topic. So birth control. Uh, so the first thing Let's talk about uh, the various forms of birth control, uh, because most of this episode is going to be about the uh, like the pill and other hormonal forms of birth control and how they affect the body um, and the history of how they came to be. But uh, I want to go over all the other ones just in case, you know, if we have, I think we have maybe some teenagers listening, it looks like um, from our Instagram likes and stuff. So uh, if you have uh, abstinence only sex ed, like so many people have had, uh, here's some info. Uh, so uh, I have written in my notes, fuck abstinence only. So there's that. Um, then, uh, so barrier methods of birth control. Uh, what are the barrier methods that you know of? Hope. <laughs> A dental dam. <laughs> A dental dam. It's like disgusting. The fuck is a dental dam? I don't know. That's that's from the absolute classic movie Knocked Up that you should definitely watch. Um, This will not be the first Knocked Up reference that we make. That that's an STD barrier though. It's not a pregnancy Mm. barrier because like the dental dam is for the just if anyone doesn't know what it is like as clearly the characters in knocked up didn't know um it's when he says it's like saran wrap he's like kind of not wrong um but it's for going down on someone who does not have a penis who has the you know has a vagina and a clitoris and uh and it's to put a barrier there so that if either of you had something transmittable you're not transmitting it because, you know, it, it, and it's one of those things where, like, if you, you have to go to that level, like, maybe just, like, both get tested. <laughs> I was wondering <laughs> because, where the dental part came into play with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's um, people don't want to talk about it because it is a little bit weird. And yeah. I, I've never used one, to be honest. I just, I, I learned what they were because I wanted to know. Yeah. But, uh, the other but, barrier one would probably definitely be a condom then. Mm-hmm. It's literally a um, barrier. And the one that you're referring to would be a male condom because there's male and female condoms. So the condoms that that most people would normally use are uh, the male condoms, which fits over the penis. And I am going to say things like penis and vagina because the, that's just the name of the parts. That's so if, 
yeah. So let's all just, you know, deal with it. <laughs> while, we're, while we're on the subject of condoms, if there's any younger listeners that are just getting into this, doubling up makes it actually more likely that yeah. it's going to break. So just, just mm-hmm. one is fine. One's enough. Yeah. You yeah, exactly. Okay. The, the the best thing you can do to stay safe in your sexual encounters is to make sure you know about whatever you're using, um, whether that's a barrier method. And, and really, you should use a barrier method if you and your partner or partners haven't been tested. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's barrier methods, um, hormonal, just learning more about stuff is going to help you understand how to use it effectively. Because sometimes when the doctor tells you like, okay, you have to take it the same time every day, people are like, oh, but you do you really, you know, so that's kind of a little bit of what we're going to talk about with uh, that stuff, but really just learn how to use learn how to use whatever you're using because the the statistics you read on how effective condoms are there's always like a little asterisk that says like when used correctly because so many sex ed classes don't teach you how to use it correctly sex and ed I, I, I don't know. sex education it's, most times it's sex telling you that you're going to get pregnant and die yeah, and it's That's it's important to talk about the STDs and the things that are out there that you should be careful of and try not to transmit to others or get yourself. But at the same time, there's more to it than that. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, I have to say my my school did they didn't do abstinence only, but they did a lot about a lot of scaring you about STDs. Yeah, mine mine was all about it. The first penises I saw in my whole life was the STD penises from sex ed. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, oh my God, is that how it's supposed to look? Anyway, so that was my experience. Oh, geez. Oh, not good. Yeah. I mean, it really shouldn't be like, I think these classes just are not, they're not designed to be friendly to the people actually taking them because the people giving the classes like just are so embarrassed by it that they can't transmit this information. I think it's, we could it's so have- weird. I a whole sex ed episode because we're about yeah, to get into maybe it. We should. Yeah, exactly. But we should get back on topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but I did want to get into like the, the different methods. So barrier methods, um, male condoms, female condoms also exist. And that's something that can be like inserted before. I, I don't have much experience with them. Um, so I'd say if you're looking uh, into using them, like definitely do the research, uh, figure out how to do it safely and effectively. Um So sponge and diaphragm are both also barrier methods. They're not, um, they're not going to protect you from STDs because they're internal. Um, The sponge, I haven't been able to find reliable evidence um, at this point of how effective it is, but I think it's one of the lesser effective. Um, And also the sponge and diaphragm are often used with spermicide. Uh, There are some things like contraceptive film that can be used without um, just because they are spermicide themselves, but usually you have to use them just exactly correctly, or you know that they, they don't work as well. So there's just not as um, yeah, the, the, it's it, it's it's definitely more uh, detail oriented. I would say if you're using those things, you have to be very detail oriented. Um, and uh, because I know this, you all have to know it now too. Diaphragms used to be nicknamed womb veils. Ew. Yes, a veil. <laughs> a veil for your womb. Oh my god. Uh, I I feel like a hymen is a womb veil, you know? Ugh. Like that's the thing. That's like Well, I'm gonna anyway. say something now because you said that now everyone has to know <laughs> the gross thing that I know that Dak Shepard referred 
or Kristen Bell referred to Dax Shepard just like just his singular mustache as a womb broom. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> <laughs> and a womb veil. Oh my gosh! Yeah, uh, womb is a gross word. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Um, hi, Dax Shepard. <laughs> um, if 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 our if our many many listeners have not listened to his show yet, Armchair Expert, you should also do that. Our ten um, listeners. His show with Monica and Wobby Wob. Uh, Twenty-one listeners. Thank you very much. <laughs> our ten listeners. Uh, <laughs> probably. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, the, and then moving on, um, the last of just the, the, well, I guess it's not really a barrier method. No, no, it is. Uh, so the, the last, uh, barrier method we'll talk about is the, just the copper IUD, which again, I don't have personal experience with it, but, um, it's similar to a hormonal IUD, but without releasing the hormones. Yeah. Um, so there are, there are a bunch of different, uh, different methods that are not hormonal, which is really nice for those of us who have a hard time ho- tolerating the hormones. So, I almost said tolerating the hormones. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I slept too so, late this morning. Last time I got up at 7.30, so. Oh, man. So the copper IUD is considered barrier because it doesn't have hormones, even though it's an IUD, like a hormonal one is? The... I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I, I don't know enough about how copper IUDs work to answer that question. Okay. That, that's what, that's what I'm going to say. I was about to start to try, but what it is, is really, that should just be something else that, uh, we look into and Hey, maybe we'll do a whole episode about barrier methods and how they work. <laughs> Cause yeah. this is mostly yeah. about hormonal methods. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but that's, that's, so those are the ones that are not hormonal. Uh, and then we'll move on to the hormonal methods. Uh, such as, uh, obviously there's the pill. That's the one that lots and lots of people know about. That's the one I have used before. And we'll talk a little bit later about my experiences with that. Uh, <laughs> there's also the ring, uh, like Nuva ring is the major company for that. That goes up inside. Um, and it is something that is self-inserted, not inserted by a doctor. Do you know you have um, that in the refrigerator or the freezer? I didn't, but it, yeah. you know, it makes sense. My friend in college had one. She's like, yeah, I got to get it out of in the fridge. And I was like, okay. I, didn't I wonder know. if that's like an off-putting feeling or if it's like, whoa, refreshing. You know, I, like, like, whoa. I, don't know. <laughs> I watched so there was, yeah, yeah. Please call in and tell us what your experience is with frozen Nuva rings. No, actually, seriously though, because we don't really get that many messages at this point. So, uh, well, we don't. We haven't gotten any messages at this point, um, other than from the people we've contacted. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, if you want to tell us about that, I, I did. Th- there's a little show on Amazon that's really cute called Life in Pieces that I think I told you about. It has Zoe Lister Jones, um, Fawn Moscato from New Girl, and uh, and there's definitely a portion which involves. Uh, a glove that's filled with water and frozen after she's given birth. And uh, I mean, she looks like she's having a great time with it. So yeah. perhaps that's a new ring is a similar feeling to that. Maybe. <laughs> I have no idea. I've never used a new <laughs> ring, but it's there and it's one of the hormonal options. And we'll talk a little bit more about it in depth later. Uh, there's the patch um, patch that sticks on your body. Uh, and, uh, there's a shot, uh, so Depo Provera is an example of that, um, shot you get every three months. Uh, there's an implant. Those I believe you get every two years, I think I'll, I'll fact check that and make sure it's right. Uh, and then there's plan B and an emergency, obviously it's emergency contraceptive. It's not for all the time. It's not 
you know, people aren't using that the way that conservatives want to claim they are. <laughs> it's for when a condom breaks or, uh, or if someone gets raped, yeah. honestly, you yeah, don't that want, kind of thing. Me personally, um, you don't want to use plan B. Like that's yeah, never a exactly. thing that I want to have happen. Yeah. And, and I, and I want to make that very clear, like, like just, just because I think some people think plan B is just like the lazy person's birth control. Like they didn't want to wear a condom. And so now they're getting that. That's generally not the case. Um, I'm not saying it's never the case, but it generally isn't. Um, and my experiences with plan B have been such that I never want to use it again. It's, it's um, not plan A.5. Like exactly. It's plan yeah. two when all yeah. else fails. Uh, and then uh, the last one we'll talk about, which I left to last is because it's the one that's in your uterus. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a, I hope it's okay that I told everyone that. <laughs> it's a, it's a hormonal uh, IUD, uh, AKL, AKA an LNG IUD. Um, and we can talk about what that actually stands for later. Um, I always, I'm, I'm looking at AKA LNG and it looks like Aqualung to me, which yeah, is a band. Sure. But anyway, so, so that's um, means inner intrauterine device. Yes, intrauterine device. And My we actually had the word. We hadn't. Sorry, we had the the prefix. This is really nerdy. We had the prefix intra on our last show um, because it was intrastate trading. Right. So, so we know what <laughs> that is, means now. This is an inter or intra. Intra. Intra again. Yeah, it is intrauterine, right? I think. So. Oh no, I think so. Yeah. Monica yeah, because it's not intrauterine. It's not connecting uteruses. Yeah, it's in, yeah. It's in there. It's inside <laughs> the uterus. My favorite thing is whenever you, like, first tell a guy or, like, they're around when you mention that you have an IUD and they hear IED and they're like, you have a bomb in your tummy? What? <laughs> like, A, it's not a bomb. B, it's not in my tummy. <laughs> in my and then you have to be like, no, IUD. And they're like, well, what's that? <laughs> It is so sad and it really speaks to like our country's priorities and education that so many young men out there who legitimately have a lot of understanding of the world and like, you know, people who we perceive as intelligent who know what an IED is, but don't know what an IUD is, even though they might be more likely to interact with an IUD than an IED. I'm assuming they know IED <laughs> from playing Call of Duty, not necessarily from like. Okay. I didn't think about that things. actually. Yeah. There's a lot I was of thinking like, about it from it. like the news, you know, and seeing like IEDs and explosions. I would assume, although I'm not. Yeah, well, I I live with somebody who plays a fair amount of video games, and I see more stuff fair. about like IEDs in the video games. Okay, I didn't know what an All IED right. was till somebody had to explain what my not IUD was. That makes sense. All right. I, ju I literally just assumed it was from people hearing it on the news, but maybe I kind of internalized IEDs in a way that other people didn't. <laughs> But I'm happy that you don't have one in your body. <laughs> Me too. It could be it could be something bad because uh, a month after you get inserted, you have to go back for a checkup to make sure it hasn't perforated anything. So, ooh, that's ooh. fun. Oh, that's great. Um, okay, well, so before we get into more anecdotal stuff, let's um let's go over the history of uh. It's, we're just going to do the history of the birth control pill because there's so much information um, that I can't really include all of the devices. Uh, but that's effectively the first hormonal one that was out there. So uh, we'll talk about that first and how that ha happened. Um, so without 
so we can't talk about the pill without talking about Planned Parenthood and Margaret Sanger. Um, Margaret Sanger was a public health nurse in Brooklyn, um, and she op- she uh, in 1914 uh, she coined the word birth control because she said, "quote Enforced motherhood is the most complete denial of a woman's right to life and liberty." End quote. Um, so that's what she was looking at. Uh, that's how she was looking at it. Um, and we'll talk a little bit later about uh, some people's feelings about Margaret Sanger and some maybe misinformation that's out there about her. But uh, in 1916, she opened the first birth control clinic in the U.S. Uh, in the area of Brownsville in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, and then 1917, she began publishing the Birth Control Review, um, which there will be a link to actually on our website. Um, and it's just it's an old like magazine that talks about birth control and why we need it and why the government should stop trying to regulate this stuff. And it's Good it's very her. interesting. And there's, yeah, it is very interesting. It does seem like pretty much most of her reason for starting this had to do with women's rights. Uh, people, people have, well, we'll just talk about this right, right now since um, it kind of fits in right now. But um, so a lot of people, especially, um, especially people who are critical of pan parent, pan parenthood, planned parenthood, uh, they want to point to the fact that she has been associated with uh, the Nazi movement and the eugenics movement, uh, which are things that we definitely need to talk about because they are true. Um, but, ah. but she was also associated with uh, black leaders in the U S the NAACP, things like that. So honestly, I feel like where she really went wrong and she might, she definitely may have had some problematic views that I haven't, um, that I haven't found yet. And it's definitely not great that she was associated with them. And I think that she should have, uh, yeah, that she should probably should have realized that that was going to be held against her later, but Hey, uh, when you have a message to get out, sometimes you'll just talk to literally anyone who will talk to you. Um, and unfortunately, her message of women's rights kind of lined up with like uh, with the eugenics movement and with uh, the Nazi movement because uh, they were about selective breeding and birth control is a part of that, but that's coercive and forced. Whereas what what her organization was actually championing at least to begin with and later on down the line was uh, it should be a a couple's right to have children when they want to, because it affects everyone's life lives, including the lives of the children. So people should be allowed to decide when they want to have children because you have lots of these poor families that are stuck in poverty because they've got six kids and no way to stop having kids unless they stop having sex. And at that point it's like, Oh, then you just don't get to have part of your marriage, part of your life with your partner. Guess what? It's- I'm writing my midterm about right now. <laughs> Literally <laughs> talking about low income families not having access to sex education and Planned Parenthood and like knowing all their options. So it's still yeah. happening right now. Yeah. And 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 in the beginning, definitely like those movements. Oh, and for anyone who doesn't know what eugenics is, um, it's basically a form of selective breeding. Uh, that was championed by actually a lot of people in the U.S. Um, a while back, like liberals and conservatives alike, um, which is and and it's it's despicable, of course, because what they're attempting to achieve is a society that has more white people. You know, there's specifically been movements like directed at trying to get black communities to have fewer children, et cetera, that kind of stuff, um, which is definitely stuff that people still bring up about it today. But Planned Parenthood is really not associated with that stuff anymore. They actually took, I believe they, they disavowed Margaret Sanger 
um, kind of all together and they took her name off of the building and said like, like we, we're not going to erase her existence, but we don't believe in these things that she was aligned with. That's um, not why we're here now. Yeah, exactly. It's not why we're here. And it sucks that it keeps getting brought up, but at the same time, like, yes, history is important. So we should talk about it. Um, but that's, that's kind of a very, like, a very short overview of the controversy surrounding her. Um, but there, there were so many people who were interested in eugenics, like Helen Keller, you know, there's, there were a lot of people who you would not have expected. Yeah. Cause Helen Keller wouldn't have been able to live in a society that embraced eugenics. So yeah. it's very interesting. And you have to wonder like how, how great was the connection between her and these people? Or was she just going around knocking on everyone's door? Uh, but that's, yeah, definitely. Oh, oh, she talked to the KKK in 1926 as well. So, great. yeah, she was not great with the PR. She did not yeah. go to good sources. Do you want to hear but, something that I learned this year? That's uh, yeah. not so much fun anecdote. The mm. name, the name Eugene. I mean, the KKK anecdote was pretty fun. Sorry, <laughs> go. <laughs> the name Eugene like has its roots in eugenics. That's where the Aww. name originated from. And I learned that. I just um, want to. Eugene from the Try Guys talking about it on their podcast. He's like, "Yeah, I don't really like to talk about it because it comes oh, from no. eugenics." And they were like, "Oh no!" <laughs> but that sucks. I know. Oh, I didn't know that. Shout out to any Eugenes listening to this podcast. We we're appreciate sorry. you. Yeah, I guess the only Eugenes I can think of are Eugene Merman, who's a comedian, <laughs> and then Eugene, the character from Bob's Burgers. <laughs> Eugene Levy, Eugene. Well, because I assume Gene stands for Eugene. Sorry. From the Try Guys. And then Eugene Fitzherbert from Tangled. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So we're sorry, Eugene's. Uh, Okay, let's, uh, let's, let's, I'm going to move on a little bit down the line for, uh, for our history here. Uh, So, so in 1917, she starts publishing the birth control review. um, And during this time, like after she's opened the clinic, and she's publishing this, she's been getting frequently arrested. Um, and because it's like her clinic that she's open, she gets arrested. The clinic has to shut down. She goes to jail or like the quote unquote workhouse for 30 days. Then she comes back, opens it back up, gets arrested again. Um, so she definitely was very determined around this. And, and, and like that stuff is all, <laughs> yeah, this is before any of her bad associations with people. So it's, this is nice. Uh, then 1918, uh, there was uh, the court case people versus Sanger. Um, in the New York State Court of Appeals, uh, they actually reversed her criminal conviction. They ruled that New York's limitations on the distribution of birth control are unconstitutional because they infringe upon a woman's liberties, forcing them to have more kids than they want. So effectively, they're saying, like, she can distribute this because if you're telling her she can't do that, that's limiting other people's uh, liberties as well. Uh, and so I think that that I think that makes total sense, you know, and, and the whole thing that she was... Um, arrested for is uh maintaining a public nuisance by distributing contraceptive devices so it's just That's how is that goal. a public nuisance yeah i want to be a public nuisance <laughs> we should like if we get to a point where anyone would actually buy merch we can make shirts that say public nuisance yes <laughs> but we can't have margaret sanger on there sorry uh, <laughs> Uh, anyway, then, okay, so then we'll, we'll skip ahead. Um, basically, she's, like, continuing to try to do this work. Um, skipping ahead to 1939, um, there are several national groups advocating for birth control. They joined together to form the Birth Control Federation, which in 1942 changes its name to the Planned Parenthood Foundation of America. Nice. Uh, yeah, nice, nice. Uh, 
Yeah. And so all of this, like there's, there's, there's fundraising and there's movements to, uh, to try to develop a birth control pill. And in 1953, biologist John Rock and Gregory Pincus teamed up to develop the birth control pill funded by 200 million, or not 200, sorry, $2 million, 200 would have been a lot in that time, <laughs> $2 million uh, from philanthropist Catherine Dexter McCormick, um, who, uh, there's also a link uh, about an article about her. She was like a pretty badass, like she was born into money, but she used it for a lot of cool shit. Um, she was a suffragette. Um, and she was one of those like rich suffragettes who poured a bunch of money into it because that's what rich people can do to help movements is pour money into them. Mm -hmm. Uh, and yeah, so basically she funded this. Oh, she also had a biology degree, which is super weird for women at that time. Uh, also because she was rich, so she didn't have to go to school. So that's really cool. Um, unfortunately, John Rock and Gregory Pincus were not great guys and they they did not seem to be necessarily interested in furthering the cause of women, in my opinion, based on how they were doing their research. Um, so there were state laws that actually prohibited them from doing contraceptive research. So they did have a lot of shit they had to get around. Yeah. But one of the places that they went in order to get around this was they did testing on male and female patients at the Worcester State Psychiatric Hospital. Okay, so psychiatric patients. And it's like, I don't, so they had consent of the families in this case, uh, but I think consent is a huge issue and I don't think we should be testing on people with mental illnesses who might not be able to give informed consent themselves. Um, the people right. who are their family who are giving the consent might not have any understanding of how that's going to affect them. Yeah, I mean, it's so problematic. We were watching so BuzzFeed Unsolved last night and they were at some hospital for like the mentally ill and people with epilepsy and they just like they were like we're not going to tell you guys everything about it because it's too horrific to talk about and people with like mental illnesses or any illness really were seen as like a lesser than human which is wrong but that's probably why they didn't get their own consent yeah and and honestly we should do a whole thing on psychiatric hospitals because like i i feel like if i was born at a time where they're putting people in psychiatric hospitals i would have had to toe the line pretty carefully to not end up in one yeah um, be, you know like yeah we're both mentally ill so that's definitely something we should look my into whole, that's, that's the disease that runs in my family yeah. is like problems yeah. in your brain <laughs> like yeah that's yeah. yeah like it seems like a lot of the women in my family tend to have like some kind of issue which isn't you know it, like we don't have like the more difficult ones um to deal with that would require someone to take care of us um after we've you know gone on some medication and stuff like that but like but we have because I, I don't want to like say oh like some are easy some are hard but like it's a little bit easier for me to deal with like my issues and i think it would be if i had like schizophrenia you know right so we, we don't have things like that there's but. bipolar disorder in my family yeah. so like there would be whole facets just like that would be sent away probably Ugh. which is it's interesting to think about how families must have been affected like by the time you have like enough money to send someone away, because like, I'm assuming the poor people, like they would end up in the psychiatric hospital because they're words of the state. And go. then like rich people are putting people in. It's yeah. Anyway, so another episode, coming up. another episode, moral of the story is don't do 
experiments on people in psychiatric hospitals. They have enough shit to deal with. Um, and the next one though, is worse. Is always in my opinion. Be a jag. Just don't be a jag off. Yeah, and everything will be fine. Yeah. So the the next uh, the the other study that they did um, is at least equally horrifying. Um, so this article on Bessay.com uh, that. Uh, so I was actually looking at like a timeline for, for birth control and they made like a mention of this and they had a link, but they didn't like talk about how horrible it actually was. So I went to the link, which I'm really glad I did. Um, and it says, uh, so the full trial began in 1956 in uh, Rio Piedras uh, with extremely high doses of the pill. About 17% of the subjects complained of nausea, dizziness, headache, stomach pain, and vomiting. But Finkus and Rock, our lovely doctors, shrugged off these ailments, calling them psychosomatic. How many women have heard that? <laughs> it's all in your head. You're not feeling like this because of the drugs that we put in your body. It's not uh, our so fault. Yeah, so there's that. Um, depression was also another symptom, as was bleeding and clotting. Three women died during the trial, but no autopsies were conducted. Um, so this was in Puerto Rico. Um, so this was in Puerto Rico in poor communities uh, where, uh, yeah, where, oh, and they didn't give uh, the women enough understanding for them to have an informed consent um, in order for that to be possible because they were just told the drug is safe but kind of nothing beyond that. Uh, so it, it was, th yeah, they're, they're really, really unethical the way that they've, they've done this. It's really terrible. So, uh, so there's that, which is not great. Um, I mean, it's like, it's good that a birth control pill was developed, but it's horrible the way that it was done as with a lot of history. Um, but in, so in, in 1960, the first oral contraceptive and uh, Inovid, a mix of the hormones progesterone, progesterone and estrogen is approved by the u.s food and drug administration otherwise known as the fda and it quickly just became known as the pill in 1965 u.s agency for international development's population and reproductive program uh with the goal of reducing birth rate in developing countries was formed so that's definitely one of those things where it could be dubious. It could be we're giving you the freedom to have children when you want to, or that could be part of the sort of selective breeding um, type of thing. So that's where these issues intersect a lot. Uh, then, okay, 1968 was the first uh, IUD. Uh, let me see, 1969, a woman wrote, uh, so Barbara Seaman wrote this book called The Doctor's Case Against the Pill, which laid out testimony and research showing that the early high doses uh, put women at risk for blood, blood clots, heart attacks, strokes, and cancer. Um, although presumably this was once the, like they had a lower uh, dose version of the pill out there. So it's kind of misleading. Right. Uh, do, 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 do. So, Oh, 1970s, the Indian national or so the Indian health services sterilizes thousands of native American women. So this is health services is what it's called. They're going around sterilizing Native American women, contributing to a drop in Native American uh, women's average birth rate from 3.7 children in 1970 to 1 1.8 by 1980. By comparison, white women's national average birth rate was 2.42 in 1970 and 2.14 in 1980. Um, so that was definitely a targeted attempt to make sure the Native Americans were having fewer children and there were more white children. So effectively Crazy. creating a population where there's more white people and keeping minorities down. This is why it's important to talk about the history. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Um, 
1972, the Supreme Court uh, legalizes birth control for unmarried people. At this time, my mom was 22, so she already might have been in a position, you know, where it would have been nice to have access to that. So just putting that in perspective. Um, 1972. Yeah. So my mom was like 13. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, it's like for, for people our age, like our possibly parents, although my parents were a little bit older or grandparents might've been affected by these issues. So it's definitely not something that's as far away in time as we feel. Right. Um, okay. Uh, 1973, the coercive sterilization of African-American sisters, Minnie Lee and Mary Alice Ralph, age 14 and 12. Uh, spark a national campaign to end sterilization abuse. Uh, the CESA is founded a year later com to combat coercive sterilization of women of color. Um, so it's 1973 that they actually were like, hey, maybe this isn't a good idea. Uh, so that's, that's just severely fucking up people's lives. Um, 1978, the Supreme Court uh, holds... Sorry, I'm trying to rush through because there's a lot of history stuff and I want to get to the hormones. Um, the Supreme Court holds the state cannot constitutionally replace any restrictions on the advertisement, sale, and distribution of contraceptives to individuals of any age. Um, so 1978 was when anyone who wanted to get contraceptives could. And uh, I believe that includes barrier methods as well. So it wasn't just like the pill, but it was other things too. Uh, 1979, Department of Health, Education, and Welfare releases a new New regulations requiring informed consent for sterilization procedures, including a 30-day waiting period, which, I mean, I'm not sure exactly how it all worked out, but requiring informed con consent effectively means you can't just go and tell people it's safe and sterilize them without them knowing what you're doing. So that's, it's a very good ruling. I'm just wondering how effective it actually was, but I didn't have time to look into it. Yeah. Uh, 19... 98, the FDA approves Previn uh, and Plan B in 1999, the first brands of emergency contraceptive. So that was like, that was pretty recent. That was like 21 and 22 years ago, respectively. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the emergency stuff. Yeah. Uh, 2006, the FDA approves over-the-counter sales of emergency contraception Plan B for people age 18 and over. That was the first year I ever got it. What year is it? Uh, 2006. Nice. Yeah, that was when I was 18. Uh, yeah, because, you know, when you're 18, sometimes you uh, make mistakes and accidents. and You make decisions. Yeah. Sometimes when you're any age, you make decisions and think you have accidents. It's fine. Uh, let me see. All right. Then 2013, North Carolina creates uh, they created an organization to compensate victims of forced sterilization. Um, oh, which is cool. cool. And I put that in because you're in North Carolina. I am. <laughs> nice. And it's usually uh, a pretty conservative state. So that's cool that it's doing something like yeah. that. Uh, in 2014, the Supreme Court rules that employers with religious objections can refuse to cover contraceptive in their health insurance plans, which I think is forcing your religion on someone else. But mm -hmm. that's a whole other issue we can talk about at another time. Uh, the Trump administration in 2017 expanded the religious exemption from the ACA contraceptive mandate to employers of any size, even publicly traded businesses, and adds an exemption for uh, the, cut that off. Anyway, so they've, uh, yeah, contraceptive mandates to any empl employers of any size, which means, you know, if like 
a company as big as like Target didn't want to let their employees have birth control, then they would be well within their rights, even though obviously Target wouldn't do that, which is why I said their name because I love them. Anyway, so there's that. And then... Okay, 2019 Trump administration poses a domestic gag rule on Title uh, 10... Title 10 or Title X, I'm actually not sure if it's the letter or the number, healthcare clinics providing contraceptive to low-income women resulting in a reproductive health services in... Something is totally going on with my notes. I think they printed out weird. Um, anyway, it resulted in like a reduction of uh, health services for low-income women. Then in 2020, oh, the Supreme Court upheld more. their... I just have one more thing. <laughs> 2020, they upheld the Trump administration's religious and moral exemptions to the Affordable Care Act's contraceptive mandate blocking access to insurance-covered birth control for tens of thousands of people across the country and disproportionately harming low-income women. Because when you're low-income, all of the things that are not covered on your insurance are things you then have to buy out of pocket yourself. And that's what the administration is forcing people to do when they allow someone to say, because of my religion, none of my employees can have this thing that their insurance absolutely would cover. Like it's, it's not because of cost. It's not anything like that. I'm so mad. This is just a reminder that this is election week. So if you have not turned in your ballot, please go do so. Yes, please turn in your ballot and tell all your friends about our podcast. Cause this episode will surely not be able to be promoted because Instagram thinks we're too political. Um, yeah, and I, I really don't want to make a Facebook for it, but I might have to because yeah. anyway. Uh, okay, so so that's all of the kind of like the historical and uh, moving into a lot of the laws and stuff surrounding it. Uh, but now we're going to talk more about how the actual pills um, or other hormonal contraceptive works because. That is very interesting as well. Uh, okay. So. So, here we are. Do you know what hormones are in your uterus? <laughs> in your IUD? I'm going to say, no, I don't know. Yeah, so the birth control pills are a synthetic form of the hormones, progesterone and estrogen. Uh that, that's the traditional kind. There's also um, what's referred to sometimes as a mini pill or a progestin-only pill, but that, that's another kind. And that's just for people who can't handle that level of estrogen over um, a consistent amount of time, as people like me. Uh, so the way these pills work is they prevent ovulation by maintaining more consistent hormone levels. Uh, so your body won't release an egg if it doesn't know its time effectively. So without a peak in the estrogen the ovary doesn't get the signal to release an egg. So if you just have estrogen consistent across the board, it doesn't, it can't tell. <laughs> and so it just doesn't release the egg and that's why it doesn't get fertilized. Um, there, there can be also, okay, so the pill also thickens cervical mu- mucus to, uh, so that the sperm cannot reach the egg. It makes the lining of the uterus unreceptive to the implantation of a fertilized egg. So there's a couple ways in which it does it, but stopping you from ovulate, ovulating is one thing. The thickening of the cervical mucus, and it also makes the uh, uterus unreceptive to the implantation. So it's just trying at every level to say, no, not happening, not happening, not happening. Yeah. This is a yeah. no-go zone. 
Okay, so I, I saw that there was progesterone and progestin in my notes. Um, and basically, progestin is a synthetic form of the naturally occurring hormone progesterone. Uh, so I, well, I wanted to know that because I realized I had just said both things. And in case they weren't, I was incorrect. I wanted to, to know. But I'm going to say progestin from now on because it's easier to say. And also uh, because that's what's in the pills. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, okay. So birth control pills, most of them are a combination of those two hormones. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, some, so different pills have different doses. Uh, but all of them are taken on a 21 or 22 day cycle. Um, so that means you get the 21 or 22 days of the actual hormones. And then the rest of the days um, up to the 28 is um, so for the week of your period, you're getting a placebo um, effectively is how the pill works. Um, so there, there are two. So, so there's a one phase, two phase and three phase pills, sometimes referred to as monophasic, biphasic and triphasic. Uh, with one phase, each pill in the packet contains the same amount of hormones in the same proportions. With two phase and three, pa three phase, the pills in the packet have different doses and proportions of hormones in them depending on the phase of the cycle. They have to be taken in the correct order to work properly. Sounds like a nightmare. Uh, in most cases, if a woman forgets to take one pill, she has to take it within the next 12 hours. Otherwise, continuing to take the pill will not reliably prevent pregnancy for the rest of her cycle. Mm -hmm. um, so one phase sounds better, easier. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So then, yeah, then we talk about the mini pill, which is progestin only. Um, so it has only progestin in low doses. So it can be used by women who don't tolerate the combined pill very well, such as me. If I were to go back on the pill, I would want to use a progestin only because I've had such a horrible time with the estrogen. Uh, so, okay, but more discipline is needed to take it properly. The mini pill has been taken at this, has to be taken at the same time of the day, every day. Uh, if they don't take the pill at that time, they have to take it within three hours. Okay, and because it's taken consistently without breaks, so that's like not the placebo week, uh, then it means that many women stop getting their periods after a while. That's interesting. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Okay, so moving on from the pill, uh, the patch is very similar. It just enters the bloodstream uh, through a different way. So the pill uses the digestive system in your tummy yeah. uh, to... Yeah, to, to get into your bloodstream, the patch, uh, obviously, it goes through your skin, uh, and it enters the bloodstream that way. The vaginal ring is, it's through the wall of your vagina. Yep. Uh, so there's different ways. Um, yeah, like those those membranes inside are actually pretty good for, for soaking that stuff up. Um, let me see here. Doo -doo 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 -doo. So the patch... Ha the patch has worse side effects, it seems, and the ring seems to have fewer or better side effects in general. Just FYI, but we'll talk about side effects later on. I'm just trying to kind of go through all the hormonal ones. Okay, so in order to be to prevent pregnancy reliably, it must be inserted and removed at the same time. This is the, the uh, ring. The same time on the same weekday. So if it's 10 a.m. on a Wednesday, then it has to be 10 a.m. on the next Wednesday. Um, or sorry, three weeks later. Um, and then you have to wait a week and then insert a ring. So it seems like that's something where you'd have to schedule all, all out. I think I would be pretty bad at that. I think I have to take something every day yeah. um, or just have something implanted in my body. 
Okay, research has found that compared to the pill, the vaginal ring has fewer side effects, uh, but they had more vaginal infections. Yay. Okay. Okay. Do, 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 do. Okay, so yours, okay, so your IUD um, is a T-shaped plastic device with a string that is used to pull it out. (laughs) Uh, It contains and, oh, it contains and continuously releases the hormone levonorgestrel or levonorgestrel, I don't know. Um, and that, that's absorbed by the lining of the womb. Again, back to womb. The womb. I don't like the womb word. I don't know why. I just, the womb word. <laughs> you should put a womb veil over it. Um, <laughs> I might have the title be something about womb veils. Uh, it's, it's catchy. It okay, so, uh, so, so that... Uh, Levonorgestrel stops the lining of the womb from building up, which means that the fertilized eggs aren't be able aren't going to be able to become embedded in it. It also makes the mucus in the cervix thicker and stickier, etc. So it's got like a double double punch there, one two punch is what I meant, not double punch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like there's so much information ahead of like in front of me, and I'm trying to figure out how to get through it. But the yeah, so other less common hormonal contraceptives include, as we were talking about before, the injection. That's every three months. Um, Often it's not well tolerated because it's really high dose. Right. Um, Hormonal implants are oh, they're every three years. um, Done by a doctor, like the shot and the implant have to be done by a doctor. And these forms are usually only recommended for women who can't tolerate other forms of birth control. or can't use them regularly. So, I mean, that might be something that I would be interested later on down the line, but we'll see. So yeah, all of them are similar to preventing pregnancy. Uh, So basically your choice of it should depend on you and how your body works. Uh, It shouldn't just depend on, you know, what your body's using, you know, it shouldn't be like, you know, Oh, everyone has to be on the patch because, you know, Lindsay says it's amazing or whatever. Right. Like (laughs) it's not the same for every person. What was your experience with birth control? Um, my experience with birth control was that it made me cry all the time. Um, I well, and I was also dealing with depression too at the time. So it's like, I'm not sure how much of it was depression, but it seemed like since I had been dealing with that for a long time, it seemed to make me cry a lot more once I started that. Uh, I was on a regular, like an estrogen and progestin one uh, because... Yeah, I was on one when I was in college, and then I ended up stopping it because it just made me feel bad, and then was on one, like, maybe five years ago. Uh, so there, I've been on it before, but yeah, it makes me cry a lot. It makes me, it makes me feel sick if I don't take it with food. Um, it makes me feel like all of my, like, worst emotional tendencies just get like like there's no like barrier in my brain sometimes you know like to stop me from just immediately like assuming the worst of everyone and that kind of stuff so I feel like that's how the hormones affect me and I see it similarly um different times of my cycle uh you know that there's different times when I'm more likely to do things like jump to conclusions about how someone's probably just trying to ruin my day instead of yeah. you know that they accidentally did something so i feel like i definitely became that like you know horrible banshee of a woman who <sighs> just hates everyone and <laughs> you know 
basically what I think that a lot of dudes are scared of about periods yeah. and about like women's bodies in general, uh, I think is what I was experiencing. It's like the PMS all the time. Boy, if it makes them feel better, we're more scared than you are right now. Because we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going on. We're in our own brain. Yeah. Uh, well, hormones are so tough too. Well, and and like okay, so so when we talk about like uh, like people who are affected by these hormones, um, I, I do want to stress it's not just women and men. Like as the two uh, the two groups of people, um, obviously there's more groups of people, um, and so we're gonna try to steer away from saying like men and women, but sometimes we'll fall into it because both of us are cisgender women. Uh, but, but yeah, so like, like, I think most people do have some sort of hormonal, like shift that goes on some sort of cycle, like, um, like cisgendered men definitely have some kind of testosterone spike at certain times. Um, but it's a little bit less known and a little bit less researched, uh, but everyone gets affected by hormones. So what are your, uh, how do you think it affects you? And then we could talk about some, I have like some of the most common side effects like written down. So I can, I can go into my whole long journey that I've been on with birth control. Cause it's, I've been on Ooh. a couple of few. So I got, if people are grossed out, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. First off, I started or, or, or listen to it like by yourself, try to power through, try to understand. And then maybe next time you'll be less grossed out by it. So I got my period when I was 11. I was like a month away from turning 12. I was just about to start sixth grade. So like middle school and I got it. Yeah. And I got it and it, I was very moody and I was in a lot of pain and they would last for like, so from about sixth grade until I was 16. So about, four years, I guess I would have it for like two weeks and it would be extremely heavy and I would be in pain and I would just have like these terrible, terrible cramps. And like, I could not regulate my emotions at all. And it felt like nobody else was going through this as bad as I was. And I, and then I started to throw up every month. So I'd be on it for two weeks and then I get a two week break and then I'd be on it again. Like I was going and I didn't use tampons yet because they wouldn't, I I, I was just like, but I think I started using them when I was like 14, but they freaked me out. So I was like, I don't want to use these. But, and then once I did start using them. I feel like a lot of women go through that where like they're freaked out about it, but they maybe don't feel like they can ask or they do. And someone doesn't want to deal with it. My mom didn't use tampons. So like she, she didn't have them in the house. And I would go through it like the most heavy duty tampon. I would change it every hour. And it was just like, and I was like ruining bed sheets and I was ruining pants and I ruined an airplane seat one time when I was on like a, a trans, I like went to Italy and I had my period in. Oh no. What did you do? I just left it. I didn't say anything. I just put my blanket on top of it and I felt really bad, but I was like, sorry. Like I, I can't replace that. So I was shopping with my aunt who had endometriosis at one point and she had to get everything taken out. That's how they solved that. They just like took out all of her system or whatever. And I was shopping with her and I was like on my period. And I was like, I feel so good. And my sister was like, it'll be okay. And you know, just like 
just try to power through it. And I was like, okay. And we walked into Macy's in the perfume department and I smelled all those smells and I was like, nope. And I went outside and I barfed like hard barfed. And it was around Thanksgiving because we were going shopping to like. She Did you barf over the floor or like? No, I went. Out, I was like, I, like I went inside and I smelled the perfume department. I'm painting and I, a it picture. Was like, it was outside. I went outside, like okay. towards the entrance, like behind a garbage can, and I was just puking. And Aunt Jen was like, I, I'm okay. picturing you going into like the hallway portion of the mall and just spraying no, everywhere. No. And it's a really funny mental picture. Sorry, go. No. So I was puking. She was like, "What's going on?" I was like, "This happens around my period sometimes. I'm really sorry." And she was like, "It's okay." And Aunt Jen not only had endometriosis, but was is a nurse is like a very respected nurse in her field. She's a teaching nurse. She teaches people how to use yeah. machines and stuff. So we got back from that so visit. So she was like, okay. Well, she told my Let's mom, her out. sister, she was like, she needs to be on birth control. Like, I don't care what's going on in her personal life because I had been with my boyfriend, my high school boyfriend for like two years at that point, maybe three years. So my mom had suspicions, even though nothing was happening. And she was yeah. like, he needs to be on birth control. So I went yeah. to my pediatrician. But she was like, not because of that, because yeah. of how horrible. And Jen, and Jen was like, she should not be doing this. She might have endometriosis like I did. Like, you need to get this checked out. And I was like, so we went to the pediatricians because I was still under 18 and I could still go to, you know, the doctor I'd been seeing like my whole life. <laughs> and so my, my, they, my mom was there and they were talking about it and all this stuff. And then she asked my mom to like step out of the room. And so she was talking to me and she was like, are you having sex? And I was like, no, she was like, you can tell me if you are. And I was like, no, I'm not. I know it looks like I should be, but I'm not. (laughs) Don't worry. (laughs) And so we got a prescription for birth control. So I started it. My cat's being, she's making a lot of noise right now. Sorry. (laughs) And so. (laughs) Was it like the pill? Yeah, I got on the pill. Okay. And that first month, I was just like, the, what were you talking about with the barrier between your brain and your emotions? Like, I was a mess. Nobody could say anything to me. Nobody could look at me. And I was like, I, I, I'm having a lot of emotions right now. And then, so I had to go in for like a two-month checkup, I think, with my, in my gut. So to get on that, I had to go to my first gynecology appointment, which is where they use the speculum and stuff. And I'm like, you know. 17 16 and I'm like mm, this is so weird I don't like this and the lady was like you need to relax and I was like I am relaxed like nobody's been down there I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> so, and I almost passed out because I held my breath because I was nervous anyway so then I go back again for a checkup and she's like oh, are you on your period and I was like yeah she was this is really heavy for a birth control period and I was like well I had really heavy periods for a normal period so I don't know what you want from me <laughs> So I was on the pill from 16 until I was 22, I guess, because I used it for the rest of high school and all through college. And I wanted to switch to an IUD because my sister had gotten one. And she's like, you don't have to like worry about taking it at the same time. It's just in your body. And I started sailing when I was. Yeah, I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? You kind of cut out for a minute. So you you had an IUD Um, So uh, your sister got one? Yeah, so my sister got one, and she was like, you don't have to worry about taking it at the same time. It's just, like, in your body. You should definitely get one. Because I started sailing, 
And when you're sailing, you're not on the same schedule every day. So I was missing a lot of pills. Yeah. And I wasn't taking birth control the way that it's supposed to be taken. Oh, and I can I can I interject one thing here? So yeah, I absolutely. I, I also when I was uh, on birth control when I was like 18 for a period of time, I like over a, like a summer and stuff. I was working on a boat, and my friend Beth, who um, who I've told you about before, who you remind me of a little bit, um, but my friend Beth, who uh, was like like maybe like eight or nine years older than than me and she was like a kind of a mentor to a couple of us younger uh women if she knew we're on birth control whatever she was taking her she'd be like no babies like oh my god <laughs> so that, and, and we were on chieftain which is a steel hold boat and so like you could hear it throughout the whole boat we we're just like oh yeah it's time to take the birth control <laughs> so, oh but like but like it took that for me to remember it a lot of the time so i would always like double up and i remember just like I remember there was one guy I was like, you know, messing around with and I decided that I was going to tell him I wasn't on birth control and we were going to use condoms because I just didn't trust that I'd taken it like it, yeah. at the correct times. Right. So, sorry, go on. So <laughs> That's what talk about I, the no babies. So the gynecologist I was seeing was the one that my mom had been seeing for a long time. So it's like this local lady that was in our neighborhood and I called her. And I was like, I'd like to switch my birth control to an IUD. And the lady, the receptionist was like, you don't need an IUD. That's only if you're like a mom who's had babies. We're not going to give you an IUD. And I was like, okay, um, I'm going to call you back. with." And that's also like recently enough. Like, obviously, that wasn't the case anymore. That sounds like someone who just didn't like learn about new concepts of medicine. She was older. So it was like, okay. I don't know. It's like, maybe that was the way when she got it. Like, right. So I called my sister and I was like, where did you go? Cause we're, we were both on my dad's insurance at that point. So I went to the same person that my sister went to and my IUD story is a whole thing. Like they had to bring in, <laughs> I had to get so many dilators and I thought I was infertile for a second. And then I like passed out a bunch of times, but I got it in and it was fine. And I would do it again a hundred times. So then I was on the IUD and that's the and, and just one. for everyone's edification. That's that's a doctor puts it in. It's not like the doctor's giving it to you to put in like, like they do it. And yeah, so this is all professionals trying to make sure this happens. And yeah, hope in a room full of professionals trying to get something. Well, not a room full. Sorry. A room with one or two professionals. Oh yeah. People. So then I'm on it and the hormonal stuff works for me because without birth control, I'm already pretty hormonal. So I think adding more just like levels me out. The only thing that changed with IUD is I cry a lot easier. Not that I'm like crying a lot, but like it, it used, I used to not cry about anything and now I cry at like commercials. So like that was the only main difference. Um, my periods have gotten way better my periods got better on birth control, but they were still like a week long. And then these ones now it's like one day of bleeding. And then like the other days are just like discharge. So it's a lot better. I know when it's coming. I don't have to think about it. I just got it changed um, this year. And so the lady tried to do it just like in the office. And then my partner Griffin was there and he was holding my hand and he was looking at me. I'm like, your job is to make sure I don't stop breathing because I will hold my breath if I get too stressed out. No. And then so he did that. He's like, breathe. 
breathe, you have to breathe, you have to breathe. And then she was getting so far in there. He was like, my eyes rolled back in the back of my head. And he was like, oh, she's going to pass out. So then she was like, okay, I can't find your strings, which is common. But we can either go get an ultrasound and I can like dig around in there and try to find it right now. Yeah, or- I remember you tell. Yeah, yeah, I remember this yeah. happening, and you're like, "Oh my god, I have to tell you." And then, <laughs> so and she was like, "Or we can knock you out and do this like while you're under." And I was like, "I do not want to be awake for this anymore." <laughs> so I had it taken out. I had to be put under. I had to like spend a day in the hospital. Griffin was there, and but everybody was being really nice and. Like they were like, I was on my way out and they were like taking my underwear off. And I was like, no, this is so much fun. (laughs) And then they did it. And I was bleeding for a few days after that. But I, again, I would never do any other kind of birth control. It works really well for me, but I have had a roller coaster of birth control. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. That seems that's so much. Yeah. Oh, another thing. If you are, having relations with somebody and you have an IUD and the person says, I can feel it. That's not true. <laughs> it's too far up there for them to be able to feel it. Cause I asked a guy about it, and they're like, no, that's not true. He yeah, wouldn't know it was well, there if he didn't say anything. A pretty much. Okay. So like, and this is coming from like the, fr- from like women who have have mostly had sex with with men okay so it's very heteronormative but generally if a dude thinks he can feel something up there i no, no, that's not happening it's not he there. can't feel your diaphragm he can't feel your iud you know if you have something up there for birth control just trust like yeah the people who made this did it in such a way that it's up in a place you can't feel it like, it's not like the professionals didn't understand how big your dick was, Tyler. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I just used Tyler no, because exactly. I don't know that many people named Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I do know a Tyler. I'm sorry, Tyler. Yeah, I know um, Tyler's. <laughs> oh, crap. Tyler's a generally good I know, several, I know several Tylers, I just realized. It's okay. So I'm it's sorry. Okay. It was just an example. It's like when Eliza Schlesinger says Scott, you know, at yeah. the end of something <laughs> about a dude. Like, it's not, it's just a name. Okay. I don't know. That's a safe one, I think. That's true. I should have done that. Yeah. So it's anyway. not because the professionals didn't know how big your dick was. Scott. There you go. <laughs> I I love having an IUD. If anyone wants to hear my crazy IUD stories, I can go into detail about them later. But, um. It's a lot of effort. We don't have much later. We're, we're at an hour and f- almost five minutes. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. birth control. It's good. I mean, it's it. good. I, so I want to do a couple more things. We do have a little bit of time because on our, um, uh, on our interview one, we didn't, uh, like w- w- we didn't use as much of the squadcast broadcasting time. Okay. Um, so just for, for anyone who's uh, not sure about how, what that means or why I'm saying we're running out of time when we're just like sitting in our apartments on a Sunday um, is that uh, we pay for a certain number of hours per month um, from this company called Squadcast. Um, And so I get five hours per month for like 17 bucks. And uh, so, yeah, we have like an hour and a half for this, but anyway, so I, so I want to go over the, um, the 10 most common birth control side effects. And then after that uh, we can, say you know some shout outs to whoever we want <laughs> about yeah, well, whatever be. we want because it's our show i'm trying to come up with some other things too I, I have a couple other things that are more related to the actual episode so uh so anyway top 10 side effects uh 
spotting between periods, something that happens to a lot of people, nausea, uh, especially when they're first taking the pill, uh, and it says take it with food, so that's the thing that happened to me. Breast tenderness, um, I guess I didn't notice a huge amount of that, but yeah, I mean, estrogen would make your breast feel tender. Headaches and migraines, um, I think that happens to me quite a bit. Um, although they say, on the other hand, if a person's migraines associated with PMS, it might actually reduce that. Um, so weight gain is something that people self-report, but there's not really any evidence that that's actually happening because of the birth control. <laughs> so like, it's there's a theory that there's water retention in association with it, but they haven't really... Um, they haven't really proved that. Um, <laughs> mood changes is number six. I don't know why I wasn't number one. Um, seven is missed periods. That's because um, the hormones. So like the progestin can make you stop having your period after a while. Decreased libido, vaginal discharge. Um, just especially for any young listeners out there, discharge is normal. Vaginas do that. It's okay. Like just yeah. if you're worried about it, if it smells weird, if it looks weird, look it up or go to a doctor you know, or ask your parents to go to a doctor, et cetera. But you can always look it up on the internet, especially if you don't feel like you can talk to your parents about that. Just make sure you're looking it up in responsible sources. Okay. Yeah. So like medical sorry. websites and not just Googling vaginal discharge because you might come upon stuff that you're not, you don't want to see. Yeah. And you know what, actually after this, I'll look, cause I know that there's, that there's sites like this um, for vets. So there must be for doctors as well, but it's just where you can go like ask a question, um, especially during COVID they have it so that you don't have to go to a doctor to be like, Hey, I have this issue. Um, so I'm sure there are sites like that. I'll look it up and maybe put a little addendum on the end. Um, so there's that um, also, and this is number 10 eye changes. Apparently, uh, apparently hormonal changes due to the pill can cause a thickening of the cornea uh, which might make sure make your contact lenses no longer fit comfortably. What? <laughs> yeah, apparently, we should do a whole show on like what pregnancy can do to your body because so oh, this so B B Billy told me once and I didn't believe him so I looked it up but he told me that like a mutual friend of ours had had astigmatism that she was pregnant and she didn't have astigmatism anymore and I was like that's not possible. That's not no, I've heard And then that. I looked it up and it is possible and it yeah. is science. And I was so surprised. Or that your feet so, don't go back to their normal size after pregnancy, which is bullshit. <laughs> uh, I will end by saying the, uh, that generally birth control is safe to take long term unless you have underlying conditions. So definitely talk, be really honest with your doctors. Like don't just say things that you that you think they want to hear your doctors need to know your actual medical history so that they can give an accurate diagnosis um and if you are for example if you're like 17 and you go to a doctor and they're asking you something without your parent in the room like you have the right to have your parents not yeah. not be told that um so like so doctors do have to keep information confidential and yeah and just talk talk to your doctors about things be honest and try to do what's the best for your body because not all bodies are the same. So one more thing on that subject. So birth control can be used for stuff like making heavy periods lighter and controlling that kind of stuff. Birth control can also just be used to control birth. It, yeah. It's okay to use it for its intended purpose. Yeah. Like you don't need a reason except for Even if I like you're to have sex. 16 like, years old. Okay. If you want to like have sex and you want to be safe and and like you know make sure that you and your partner stay healthy, then you should try to do what you can to achieve that. And and honestly, if your parents won't tell you this, I'll tell you this. Don't feel bad about it. 
you're being the responsible one. You are. You know, so in social <laughs> you know school, your body the best of other people. And yes, yes, people def- definitely tell you like, oh, if you're a teenager, like your brain's still developing, you don't understand what's going on in your mind. Yes, your brain is still developing. Yes, you'll have times where you look back and say, okay, that was a dumb move. But if you're a teenager who wants to have sex, your hormones are going to keep telling you that they want to do that. So you have to use your brain, decide whether it's a smart decision, and then protect yourself if you decide to make that decision. Um, so, but you do have autonomy. Right. So something that they teach us in social work school is something called, it's called the strengths perspective. But basically what it boils down to is every person is the expert in their own experience and perspective. So you know you better than anybody. And if you say, you know what, I think I want to do this. I think I can handle this. And it's something that I mm-hmm. want to try now then go for it. I personally knew I didn't want to until what's considered much later in, in young adulthood, whenever I started to, and I wasn't alone. I knew, I knew plenty of friends who waited too, but I also knew plenty of people who didn't. So it just depends. And if you want to, that's not. I waited until I was 18, but I didn't really have, there were really guys around that I was that interested in or who were interested in me at that time. So I was just like, eh, whatever. And I waited till college. But. Yeah. I was, I was <laughs> almost done with college by the time I did. And I, I knew I wanted it to be with somebody that I wouldn't regret doing it with later. So, and that still holds true. I don't, I don't regret the person that it ended up being with. Um, and yeah. I knew I made the right choice. I knew I, I, it was like a, a gut feeling. I was like, oh, this is it. Yeah. This, and is, it, this is what it's going to happen. The thing is, like, it doesn't have to be your soulmate. It doesn't. I mean, and, and we're getting to a point where, of course, like, you know, we're okay. We're intersecting into the quote unquote morality and like religion and stuff right. that, that might like cause people to think differently about this. But honestly, the way I feel is that each person should be making their own decisions. And I think that we need to treat teenagers especially in this regard with more understanding because it's not like you don't understand anything until you turn 18 you know (laughs) like that's there's no there's no switch that's flipped like i saw i saw a tweet the other day that was like he was like yeah 17 year old me tried to go get a tattoo a limp biscuit tattoo uh and they wouldn't let me at the tattoo artist without parental consent which i couldn't get and you know and it was because i was under 18 uh and then when he went to college he was able to take out one hundred twenty thousand dollars worth of loans when he wasn't allowed to get a tattoo of his own choice because you know one thing is fine the other thing isn't like it there's a lot of arbitrary things that we put on young people. That's yeah, just I, like, why? Yeah. I said something- six, 16 and 18 might actually not be that different um, in terms of maturity for some people, you know, like right. you might get there before you're legally at the age. Right. I'm not at all saying that like, you know, children should be allowed to do this by the, by the time, but by, by the time you're able to drive a car, like you're probably old enough to figure out what to do with your own body. I so. saw a thing and it was like, they treat us as children up until the point where we're 18 and then they expect us to act like adults, mm-hmm. even though we've never been treated like that yet. And I was like, Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Like you turn 18 people yeah. are like, okay, like what do you want to be when you grow up? Like for real. And it's like, I've been given everything up until this point. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to <laughs> and, do. Right. Oh my God. And then yeah, I, yeah. I learned in class the other day that, 
people still consider like 20 and a type of adolescence. Like you're not a full adult 20 yet either, which is true. What, when I was when? 20, I know. The thing is, when are you a full person. adult though? Yeah. Yeah. It's not. And I think we, we try to put those age limits on it because we need to generalize in order to create laws and things like that. But then I think people kind of, they take like the, the arbitrary 18 year old law and then they just put it into life as like, obviously that's the time when you are able to be responsible. Like it's very weird to just, to, you know, the law is there because it's a generalization and it's based on like trends or whatever lawmakers were feeling like at the time, it's right. not necessarily based on what your brain actually looks like. So we've gotten really off topic though. Um, <laughs> but we're just talking about how people should have autonomy over their own bodies. So it's okay. Uh, but let's, yeah, let's wrap up by, I want to give, um, a couple shout outs that are more specific to this episode. Um, so I, I, I was wondering whether or not I was going to shout out to Planned Parenthood just because it's such a like controversial thing. But I am because yeah. they give so many um, uh, like good services. Um, and, and I will quote the uh, there's OK, let me see here. Do, 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 do. There's a Washington Examiner article from uh, that talks about the. Planned Parenthood's 2017-2018 annual report, 3.4% uh, of their services are abortions. And all the other stuff is health-related in other ways. Um, and yeah, some of those services might be things like handing out condoms. So the 3.4, like, it might be more like, okay, so 12% of the people who come here come here for that. But you know, we've given a lot of people condoms. So I understand how a little bit of that can be misconstrued. But in general, the abortions, like a Planned Parenthood center is not an abortion clinic. Okay, that's not that's not the way we should define it, because that is not all that they do. And it is hardly all that they do. Uh, they I mean, I've been to Planned Parenthoods for health screenings, and like just to get contraceptives, because I didn't because I didn't want to get them on my insurance when I was in college because I didn't want to have that conversation. And I did eventually have that conversation. Um, but so they, they do a lot of really, really helpful things. They have pregnancy services um, and no, the pregnancy services aren't just abortions. That's not what that means. Um, so like, just please, <laughs> please don't be fooled by like the number of people who are trying to tell you that Planned Parenthood is just like, you know, performing infanticide. That's not what's happening. So, um, so shout out to Planned Parenthood. Um, then next I want to shout out to, um, uh, Clue, which is an app that you can use to track your periods. Um, if you are a person who doesn't know when your period's going to happen, and there's not just that one, that's just one of the more popular ones. Um, but there's lots of period tracker apps. So if you're someone who gets a period and wants to understand when it's going to come and be able to anticipate it, that's been really helpful for me, could be really helpful for you. Um, I also, just because we've talked a lot about the, uh, the human body, um, that has a uterus and goes through a menstrual cycle, um, I also want to shout out to Diva Cup. Um, oh, yeah. And, Cup and all those, like, pretty much all of the menstrual cup things. I, I personally use a Diva Cup, um, but they are fantastic and they save you a lot of money. Uh, in the long run, uh, I haven't bought tampons in two years. I, I think. Yeah. I've tampons started, or pads. I started <laughs> using mine in 2017 and. The, if you're prone to yeast infections, this mitigates them. 
so much because yeah. my family has a really bad time with yeast yeah. infections and this makes it a thousand percent better. And if you have a heavy flow, you, you just get to, you know, yeah. when you need to change it and you're not like wasting paper or anything. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's less wasteful. It's, it's less expensive. Um, it basically travels you should replace better. it every year, but you don't necessarily have to replace it every year if you're cleaning it really well. Um, when you're cleaning it out, um, they, I haven't had problems with leakage. Some people have in that kind of case, maybe you want to look at like, uh, different companies and what people have to say, uh, because there's just different things for different people. Uh, but it's, it's just a wonderful thing that's been in my life and people don't like to talk about it. So I'm just putting it out there. I'm not saying everyone has to use it. Oh, also there's another thing. So tampons, when tampons are inserted, sometimes that can, oh, I have 10 more minutes of recording for this month. That's good to know. Um, <laughs> so we need to wrap up, but I, uh, yeah, when you insert a tampon, it can actually, the, the fibers, um, can cause your vagina not to lubricate as well. Like it can, it can yeah. dry you out kind of, it can lead to, to more dryness. Um, so there's just so many things, so many reasons why you should try a menstrual cup. If you haven't, if you have, and it wasn't for you, totes understand it's fine don't worry about it yeah travels really well the only thing is it's, it's kind of hard to like clean it out it would be hard to clean it out in a public place but you can keep it in for 12 hours so you might not have yeah. to be in a public place right. uh, we're not sponsored by diva cup we just both like it a lot yes. hey maybe we should ask them to sponsor us though anyway yeah. uh yeah <laughs> So, so shout out to that. And as always, shout out to Dicks for Good, especially during this uh, time of political uneasiness. I got, I got really upset the other day um, about something political. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Dicks for Good and buy a sticker pack for a friend of mine and mail it to her when I mail my thank you card from the wedding gift that she got me. <laughs> that's a fun thing to do. And all of the proceeds go to charity. And I, uh, so she, what she does is, uh, Sorry, Mr. Business, uh, what Mr. Business does is uh, messages you and says, where would you like your uh, donations to go? And there's choices for where you can donate. Um, this time I donated to End the Backlog, which is all about uh, processing rape kits, which haven't been processed. Um, a lot of that stuff, there's a backlog of rape cases where they just haven't done anything um, with the materials that were collected. So yeah super super awesome charity and it's stickers like you know the commander in chode <laughs> yeah is the classic we've talked about them we went on a long tangent about them last time so just go yeah. check them out we're gonna keep talking about them just go check them out yeah it's it's a good cause and it's like it's an immature childish thing for a good cause which is something that i always love a good good cross-section <laughs> yeah I want to shout out. So you got out, anything else? Yeah. I want to shout out to my aunt for talking my mom into getting me birth control and all the doctors who have supplied me with IUDs. <laughs> That's my shout out for this week. Nice. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, yeah. So, yeah. So similarly, I've, I've not had a very good, good time with uh, birth control, but thank you to the doctors I've talked to about it. Who've actually like told me helpful things. And Planned Parenthood always. <laughs> and, and Planned Parenthood. I went to Planned Parenthood. Uh, I've gone, I went several times when I was in college. I don't think I've used it much since. Um, and that is primarily because I think the two other times I would have needed it was when I took Plan B and that has since become available in lots of places uh, now that you can actually get it over the counter. So yeah. 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 That's all stuff. I got. 
Yeah, that's all I've got too. So uh, I'm Rosie and facts matter. I'm Hope and now that you know better, do better. All right. Hello everyone, it's Rosie. I just have a few little notes after this episode. Uh, So uh, we were talking at the end of it about how to get your medical questions answered, particularly about birth control, and uh, particularly if you are a young person who maybe would have to go through your parents and you're a little bit concerned about that and don't want to have that conversation. Uh, I did look at some of the websites. There are a bunch of them out there, but I didn't have enough time to compare and contrast them all to actually recommend a favorite. Uh but I did see on Quora.com uh, someone asking the same question and people recommended to that person, uh, you know, you can go ask the pharmacist, uh, which didn't actually occur to me either. But as far as um, wanting to know anything about birth control, that definitely is something that a pharmacist can tell you. Um You can ask about, I'd like to know about this kind, this kind, this kind, and they can kind of give you some bullet points. Obviously, they would probably tell you to go see a doctor as well because you need need a prescription in order to do that. But you can get that information from other people. Just try to find good sources for it. Uh, Then also, uh, we did mention earlier that the name Eugene comes from uh, the same root as eugenics, and I double-checked that just to make sure we weren't perpetuating a rumor, but unfortunately it is true. Um, Eugene and eugenics both come from the Greek roots, uh, so it's EU, which is the U sound, that means good, and then gene means birth, so effectively it means well-born. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry all the Eugenes out there, I was really hoping that was uh, just a little story that people told and maybe it wasn't true but it does look like it is uh the name might predate the word eugenics but i couldn't actually find out what that uh timeline looks like so if any uh, eugenes out there want to tell me uh please go ahead and email us at vkoepodcast at gmail.com uh and also if you have anything else that you want to connect with us about please go ahead uh our information is on our website a vague knowledge of everything.com we also have an instagram account uh which is Sorry, uh, our Instagram account is VKOE uh, underscore podcast. And on Twitter, we are at vague of, uh, sorry, at vague underscore of. So connect with us, say hi, and uh, everyone have a good day.